0: We're on page 10. The gospel for today is also the basis of the sermon from Matthew chapter 3. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is the Gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. In the name of our Savior Jesus, dear friends in Christ, in the late 1990s there was a pop song that was played over and over and over again on the radio stations. Maybe because of its kind of catchy tune, but probably also because it was and had some controversial lyrics. The name of the song was, What If God Was One of Us? And some of the lyrics of the song went like this. What if God was one of us? Just a slob like one of us, just a stranger on a bus trying to make his way home. Now, if you remember that song, or, or even if this was the first time you, you heard that song, what do you think of those lyrics? Are those kind of the, the liberal ramblings of some blasphemous music recording artist? Is it an intriguing philosophical discussion? Or does it almost hit the nail right on the head? Now, I, I don't know exactly what she was going for with, with those lyrics, but wasn't it just a couple of weeks ago that we remembered Jesus' birth, which was God coming down here to be one of us? And I'm pretty sure he rode a donkey, not a bus, but he did make his way home 40 days after he rose from the dead. He ascended back into heaven and sits at God's right hand. So today, we're going to take a look at God becoming one of us. And we'll do so by taking a look at his baptism. And maybe when we read about Jesus being baptized, we might wonder why he had to be baptized. After all, we know couldn't have been for the same reason that we are baptized. But hopefully today as we, we take a closer look at this account from Matthew chapters 3, we'll change that question mark. Jesus was baptized to an explanation point. Jesus was baptized. He was baptized because he needed to become one of us in order to fulfill all righteousness. And then there'll be a second reason, and that was to show that he was true God, that he had divine authority. We we learn about Jesus' baptism in Matthew chapter 3 with these words, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. And the word then is a pretty big understatement. Because then covers 30 years. The first 30 years of Jesus' life... And we don't know that much about those thirty years. Matthew tells us Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and then warned in a dream to flee to Egypt, to stay away from the the murderous jealousy of, of King Herod, and, and then uh, again in a dream, the angel told Joseph and Mary to return to go back home to Nazareth, and that's where Jesus was raised. And, and that's all Matthew tells us about those 30 years. We know from the Gospel of Luke, an incident when Jesus was 12 years old and, and accompanied his parents and family to Jerusalem, to the temple, and then, then stayed behind because he wanted to study and, and discuss more with the, the teachers there. But that's it. That's all we know of Jesus' first approximate 30 years until this. Uh, until Jesus arrives on the scene and says he wants to be baptized. Now, when we think about Jesus' journey to be baptized, we can compare it a little bit to Joseph and Mary and their travels too. Why did they go from Nazareth to Bethlehem? Well, they were living under the law of the land. And the law said you had to return to your family's home base and there would be a census taken, and and then there would be a tax. And that's why they journeyed, and and that's why Jesus was born in Bethlehem. They were living under the law, and they obeyed the law of the land. Well, that's why Jesus journeyed to the Jordan. He was living under God's law. He showed up and and appeared to John the, the baptizer, so that he could live under God's law and obey God's law. Jesus wanted to be baptized for a completely different reason than why you and I need to be baptized. We know why we need to be baptized. That is to wash away the filth. That is to cleanse us from all our sinful shortcomings and, and all the times that we want to spring towards self-indulgence. We know that Jesus came and that he lived and he died and he rose again. And, and through his death and resurrection, we have all our sins, all, all our sinful stains, our, even our sinful nature completely washed away through baptism. Baptism connects us to Jesus' death and resurrection. That's why we're baptized. But Jesus didn't need to be baptized for that reason. He he had no guilt. He committed no deceit. He told no harmful lies. He, he, He withheld from any sinful activity. And so it makes sense to us when John the Baptist says to him and, and, and tries to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus' answer to him was so satisfactory that, that John immediately consented. Jesus said, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. That's why Jesus was baptized. That's why Jesus became one of us. And that's why Jesus even submitted to a sinner's baptism. He had to fulfill all righteousness. Righteousness simply means rightness. It means being right with God, doing all the right things. It means being completely in perfect harmony and at one with God. And it's something that we don't have. Something we can't buy. Something we'd never obtain if it wasn't for God's grace in Christ, giving it to us as a free gift. And one of the ways that God gave us righteousness is by Jesus' active obedience. In other words, Jesus was a 12-year-old boy who did like to go to church and stay and study. And in doing so, he actively took our place. He was our substitute for every 12-year-old, every 22-year-old, every 52-year-old that isn't always so anxious to, to go and grow and stay and study. Jesus, in those years that we don't know anything about him, most definitely was a sober-minded 20-something. And he was that way in our place as our substitute for all those times that we gave in to our innovations. Jesus did it right. He was righteous and then actively he gave us that righteousness so we'd have it too. That's one way that Jesus fulfilled all righteousness actively. But another way that he did was more passive. And that is, Jesus didn't sin, but he became full of sin. And and that happened three years later when Jesus wasn't at a riverbank, but he was up on a skull shaped hill where there were three crosses. Jesus placed on the middle one, crucified there, full of our sins, punished passively for our transgressions. Jesus was even killed to satisfy, as we sang, God's wrath. Passively then, Jesus became sin for us. He did so so that we would become not full of sin, but full of his righteousness. So when all of that was complete, when all that was done, Jesus' active obedience on our behalf and then passively being punished in our place, we're told this in 2 Corinthians. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Why did Jesus come to be one of us? In order to fulfill all righteousness and give us his righteousness. And all of that started right there on the banks of the Jordan River. So who was there for that quasi-inauguration of Jesus' ministry, that, that anointing of the beginning of his, his active and passive righteousness on our behalf. Well, we're told here it was the three in one that we admire most, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We're told as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Sometimes people ask me a question that that I bet a lot of you get. And that is, why don't we baptize people with a full immersion into water? And the answer I give them is is this. I say we could. The, The amount of water, where the water came from, where you find that water, none of that is really nearly as important as the word of God connected to the water. So what gives baptism the power to, to cleanse sin and make us God's children it isn't the water, it's the Word. It's the Word of God connected to the water. So if you want to, yeah, I, yeah, you can baptize your children here uh, in, a, in a little font with a couple drops of water, or you can take them down to the Tennessee River, or you can, you can bring them by me in the Pacific Ocean. It's just that when you do it, make sure you do it with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All three members of the Holy Trinity were there at Jesus' baptism. Well, certainly you had Jesus. He was there being baptized. You also had the Holy Spirit there, lighting on Jesus in the form of a dove. You know, we, we read a little bit in the Old Testament about the anointing and the anointed one, and that's what the name Christ and the name Messiah means, the anointed one, the promised one, the chosen one. And, and so maybe that's what the Holy Spirit was doing here, lighting on Jesus, anointing him. Uh, anointing him for his service, his ministry. So you had the, the Son, you had the Holy Spirit with the anointing, and then there was God the Father. And this is what He said. He wasn't so much anointing as He was approving. This is my Son, whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. I don't know what, what your Father said about you. I know mine wasn't always able to say, with Him I am well pleased. In our little family gathering this week, we kind of recounted some of the times that all the kids got into trouble, and yes, even Jennifer got in trouble in our family. So, yeah, we weren't always, our fathers weren't always well-pleased with us as children, but God the Father was always well-pleased with His one and only Son. Because like we say, Jesus did everything right. He never gave in to sin, never even had a bad attitude he was perfect. And so that's what God the Father was doing here. He was approving of his son and saying to him, he's perfect. But he was doing more than just approving. He was also giving him what we call divine authority. Because he knew that there would be times in Jesus' ministry when people would question Jesus' authority. By what authority do you teach these things? By whose authority, the Pharisees said, are you doing miracles and healing and helping people? By what authority are you actually forgiving people's sins? And so Jesus could recall that God gave him authority as God's son to do the work of healing and forgiving and teaching and helping God also knew that we would need to recall Jesus' divine authority because people question us or maybe we ourselves have questions sometimes about, is all this true? Everything in the Bible that that we're told Jesus said and he did, is it trustworthy? Is Jesus real? Is he really the one and only Savior of the world? And then we recall that right here at his baptism, and then later on the Mount of Transfiguration, the voice of God said, this is my son. With him I'm well, please listen to him. And we know that the disciples were eyewitnesses of the things that Jesus said and did. And we know there's only one person that has ever come down from heaven to earth to be one of us and live under God's law, and be perfect, not only being our perfect substitute, also being our perfect sacrifice for our sins. And so knowing that Jesus has divine authority gives us confidence. And hearing his words every week and knowing it's real, it's true, it gives us confidence and hope. What if God was one of us? Well, what if he wasn't? Then we'd have no one that came down here and stood in our place under God's law. We we would have no one that came here and suffered and died in our place either. We'd have no choice but try to climb our our way to heaven and and point to all our good deeds and try to ignore all, all our misdeeds. But God did become one of us. He, he came down here and he lived as one of us, though not sinful like us. He, he did it in order to save us. You know, the rest of that Joan Osborne song has another couple lines that, again, if taken in the right way, can be taken okay. One of the choruses, she sings, yeah, yeah, God is great. Yeah, yeah, God is good. And again, I I think we can take that to be true. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for becoming one of us in order to fulfill all righteousness and save us. Amen.